Anyway, Brilliant, good to see you all. Good to see you joining live. We have had some great worship. Folks speaking out, it's been brilliant. So excited about today. But I'm going to be more excited about next week. Oh, I mean, I can't, I can't keep in. It's the shepherds next week. Oh, so excited about that. I, I, I was trying to keep them out of this sermon today because I'm so excited about having them next week. And uh, yeah, so really excited about the sermon today. Great to see so many people here. And I was thinking, this is fantastic. The worship's great. Can things get any better? And it just popped into my mind that I saw Ali bringing in a cake. So um, I do believe there's cake, which just can't get any better. Um, yes, we are here, lesson two of our Christmas series. I'm going to pray first. I'm going to pray. I'm so excited. Settle down. Hallelujah. Father, we love you, we worship you, we praise you. We thank you for what you've already said to us this morning. Through people sharing, through the worship, through reading your word. We, we are so grateful for all that you have to say to us, Father. And we are so looking forward to hearing what you're going to say to us through your word right now. Thank you for these seeds we're about to plant into our hearts. Thank you that it's going, to, it's going to go into good ground. Speak out understanding. Thank you that it's going to be understood. Thank you that it's going to stay. Thank you that it's going to germinate and produce fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. I heard you sneaking back in. Awesome. Here we are again, busting the myths around the birth of Jesus. Favorite sermons of the year. Um, I'm determined next year that I'm going to use these sermons to help me write this book. And I've already told you, you have the authority to keep booting me up the you-know-what to see if I'm, if I'm writing at the back. Yeah, yeah he's already started. So, um, I mean, I, I love, you, you guys know me, I love teaching all year round. I, I love preparing for each and every sermon because it, it gets me right into the words, but it is such a privilege. I don't think there's anything else in this world where people get the, the opportunity just to stand up and, and speak out what they're thinking without too much ridicule and abuse from the audience. I say not too much. Um, but I've got to tell you, see when we get into October... And in November, my excitement rises because I know what I'm going to be preaching about in December. Absolutely. I do, I'm, I'm not so keen on Christmas. It's all right. But it's the Christmas sermons. I just love that. Now, if you're a regular, you will have heard this. I don't know. How many years have I been preaching this? When did I get the revelation about Migdal Adair? Was that about 10 years ago? Show it back. No, 10 years ago. No. 10 years ago. We were in Lossie, I believe. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely in Lossie. Was it in Pine Tree when I... Was it? Was it Pine Tree when I had this revelation? Maybe that's why so many people... Maybe that's why so many people left. You've still got the... You've still got the tape. 
Wow. If anyone wants to, t you know what? You know what? I would love to hear that. The first time I preached this, just to hear how much I got wrong. It's how much I've improved. Oh, I'd love to hear that. So this is a sermon that I've prepared for and taught many times. I love it. I still love preparing for it because I've, so, I've had some new stuff this year. I, I, found a, I found a source this year that I'm, you're going to be so excited about it, Pauline. And um, I just, oh, can't wait. And these are important sermons. Go back. These are important sermons. Because they show how much tradition and nonsense has crept into the church and stayed here. I mean, we looked last week about peace on earth. There's, there's never been peace on earth since Jesus came. So either he failed and his perfectly perfect finished work wasn't perfect. Or it's not meant to be peace on earth among men. And we know it's not. We looked at that last week. It's peace on earth, goodwill toward men from who goodwill from God. And we had that. It was awesome last week. There's so much tradition and nonsense crept into the church and stayed here. It, you know, I, I say this now in hindsight because I used to be one of these people when I first started going to church. If only Christians would read the word. If only Christians would read the Bible and see that a lot of what we think and what we say, and, and, and this context is about the nativity, about the birth of Jesus, it's not biblical, but it's tradition. And we all know what tradition does, don't we? Colossians 2.8 says... Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. What we're about in this series, this sermon series, is trying to look and see what Christ says about his birth, see what the word says about his birth. Look at the typology behind it. What is his birth telling us about his life? What is his birth telling us about his death? You don't get that in your normal nativity with your star and your wise men and your pigs. <laughs> you know, if, if you've listened to a series, remember one series, I took our nativity and I ripped it apart. And the funniest thing was there was pigs in it. Anyway, almost as funny as wise men and the star, because they weren't there at his birth either. A little bit about that next week before I get on to the shepherds. Lots of what we think and a lot of what we say takes away from the amazing typology about the birth of Jesus, about the significance of where he was born, about the significance of the shepherds, because the wise men have taken over and are so important. And then these next two sermons, I believe, are, are two of the strongest sermons that I can preach. If, if we believe, and I have to say at this point, to be completely honest, the next two sermons are not for you. They're not for you. But I challenge you, they're for you to share. Because I'm preaching to the converted here, preaching to the choir, whatever you want to say. You, you know the verses I'm going to use. You know what's coming. But 
There's people in the church that need to hear this. There's people out in the world that need to hear this. So this is not for you. This is for you to disseminate. And, and I was challenged this morning. I was sitting there, and the, uh, and I was thinking about what I was going to say. And I distinctly heard the Lord say to me, well, you better share it. So um, I hope to share this with my mates and colleagues and whatever. So I challenge you. This is not for you. This is for you to share. But just, but just sit and enjoy the next 20 minutes because you know what's coming, all right? But if, if you, see, if you, if you get what we teach about over the next two weeks, I was going to say it could change your walk. It will change your walk. If you understand the significance of where he was born and who saw him, that'll change your walk. Change what you think about Jesus. Change what you think about God the Father. Understanding these truths will change your whole mindset. And I, I, I really believe when I say this, it will change your life. Biblical truths, when you get it, will change your life. I know my life was changed when I understood this. My life was changed when I understood I was made righteous. You know, people, people tell me, I, I didn't get the same kind of revelation, but I've heard people saying they, their lives were changed when they understood they'd been forgiven. That, that just kind of happened to me. I just I had that. But other people say, you know, People have their life changed when they realize they've been healed. People have their life changed when they realize they've been prospered. So people should have their lives changed when they hear these truths about where he was born and who came to see him. I can't wait for next week. So here's the question I want to answer today. One of the biggest myths I want to bust. Where was Jesus born? Now, I think if I sent out, has anybody heard of Survey Monkey? Yes, yeah, so I could send out a survey monkey to everybody on my email list and everybody on the Green Network email list and everybody in my Whiskey Academy email list, and I reckon I'd get back the same answer from 99.9% of .9 people. I wouldn't send it to you guys because that would ruin my statistics. If I sent it to you guys, that would take my percentage answer down. But I reckon if I sent it to everybody apart from MGF, and you know what? This one author I found from the 1800s this week, I think he'd give the same answer as us. More on him later. But if I sent it out to, oh, it's, it's, don't get offended, I was going to say if I sent it out to normal people. <laughs> if I sent it out to people not in MGF, every answer I get back would be Jesus was born in a stable by the end. I'm pretty sure. That's what we would get. Born and stable by the end. So let's check what the word says. And let's see if that's the case. Now remember the sermon's for other people, not for you, because I know you know the answer. Let's see what it says. And where would we look? Well, the Gospels would be a good start. Good place to go. Because that's where we read about the earthly life of Jesus. Now, I'm just thinking about where Jesus was born, so I'm not going to read all the accounts about his birth. But let's just go work our way through the Gospels and see the massive amount of stuff that says about where Jesus was born so that we can conclude it was in a stable by the end. So let's go to Matthew 2. Matthew 2. And one to six. 
Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Worship Carl. There you go. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judah, for thus it is written by the prophets. So there must be something in the Old Covenant about it. We'll get to that later, that they knew about. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Okay, and then we go to Mark. Nothing. And then we go to Luke. And Luke 2, verse 1 to 7. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. So no changes then. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone unto his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. And then John 7. John 7, uh, verse 41. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not the scripture said that Christ cometh out of the seed of David, out of the town of Bethlehem, where David was? That's it. That's it. In the Gospels, that is it. Not a lot. So by reading that, what can we learn from this? What can we say that the word actually says? Well, it actually says he was born in Bethlehem. Well, we know that's not quite the case. What do we know? We know that he was born in, at, on, or near Bethlehem. That's what the Greek says. In, at, on, or near Bethlehem. It says he was not born at the end. Yeah, get that. It says he was placed in a manger, so he was born in a place where animals were kept or fed. That's it. So, of course, he was born in the stable by the end. That, that's what people have come to from those facts. That's the facts in the Bible. That's the conclusion. Or that's a tradition we have about the birth of Jesus. Now, you guys all know I did mathematics at school. Mathematics is a, is a logical science. It's all about logic. That conclusion is not good logic. I'll show you some bad logic. But answer these questions. Would you agree that elephants are big animals? Excellent. Would you agree that all elephants are grey? Yes. Therefore, all big animals are grey. No? Are you sure? 
Well, that's the kind of logic we've used to decide that Jesus was born in a stable by the end. It's nonsense using that concept of logic, just as it is to say, because all big animals are, you know, because all elephants are big and all elephants are grey, all, what did I say? All big animals are grey. That's not good logic. But that's the logic that we've used to draw this conclusion about the birth of Jesus. It has drawn a conclusion from facts that are not related. We know it was Bethlehem. We know it wasn't in the end. We know it was a place where animals were kept. Therefore, it must be the stable at the end. Rubbish. That, that's nonsense. Nonsense logically, anyway. I mean, now, I, I agree that the word does not explicitly say Jesus was not born in a stable by the end. That's what I'm saying. I agree the Bible doesn't say that. But you have to agree that it doesn't explicitly say he was born in the end. I remember preaching this one year, and, and I think it was when we were in, we were in Lossie at the time, and the church got an email from this rather irate woman saying, why are you saying that Jesus wasn't born in the stable by the end? That's what it says in the Bible. So I emailed her back nice and polite and said, well, that, that's fine that you believe that, but can you, tell, can you send me the chapter and verse where it says that? Nothing. No reply. Because there's no chapter and verse that says he was born in a stable by the end. We have, to, we have to look at different passages and try and work out and to rightly divide the word. There's nothing explicitly that says he was born here. But I believe there are scriptures pointing out where he was born. But it was definitely not in a stable by the end. And remember a couple of years ago, Sean pointed out to us that that Greek word for N could mean house or home. So it could actually say there was no room for them at the house or the home. So we don't even know if there was an inn or an innkeeper in this story. Which part do a lot of kids want to play, a lot of boys want to play? Oh, they want to play the innkeeper. If you can't be a wise man. You know, if I can't be Jesus, if I can't be a wise man, I want to be the innkeeper. Because I don't want to be a shepherd. See, that, that's where we've gotten to. And, and we laugh about that. But that is a tradition that has crept in. And I say it's of the enemy to keep away the truth about the shepherds. You might say, oh, well, it's only, it's only a nativity. Only a nativity. It's all about the birth of Jesus. And we have stars and wise men. And as I've seen it before. We have spacemen and giraffes. And we'll work. You know, you have whatever you want in a nativity now. No, nativity, we'll see next week. Mary, Joseph, Jesus, shepherds. End of. But we'll but more on that next week. So Sean pointed out it, it mightn't even be in. Was it Dave? Oh, we should have just sat and took the credit, Sean. Um, so we don't even know if it was an inn or an innkeeper. What we are being told is nonsense. It's a made-up tradition. And I, I use this word kind of lightly, but in the church, it's now gospel. You know, the, 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 the wise men, three of them, and we know their names, followed the star to where Jesus was being brought. No more on that. And that never happened in the sense of following to where he was born. But yeah, next week. 
So what we have is nonsense made up tradition. So what can we take from the gospel accounts? We can only take this. He was born in at or near Bethlehem. And he was born in a building where livestock were fed. That's what the gospels tell us. Okay? But not all is lost. Because we have more than the gospels. And we have two instances there where we see people looking at the word that came before Jesus and saying, it's going to be Bethlehem. We saw that in Matthew and we saw that in John. So, so where's that? So it is in my bookmark, because I knew I was going to have to find it. They're all racing to find it now. So see who's the first who can find Micah. <laughs> it's near the back of the Old Covenant. It's there somewhere. This is, this is the one or two pages in my Old Testament are a little bit dirty, and this is one of them. Go to some of the minor prophets. I'm afraid they're still spotless, but never mind. Micah 5.2. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, among thou, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler of Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Oh, how can that be? But it's talking about an eternal being. He's of old. He's everlasting. Who, who, that's God. And we know Jesus is one of the Trinity part of the Godhead. Jesus is everlasting. Jesus is eternal. He's been from old. He is going to be the ruler of Israel, ruler of the earth as well. This is saying that he is going to be born at Bethlehem. That's what was confirmed in Matthew and confirmed in John. Micah 4.8 tells us something else. Oh, whoa. this says, And thou, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, unto thee shall it come, even the first dominion. The kingdom shall come to the daughter of Jerusalem. This is talking about the kingdom coming. Who, who, who is, personifies the kingdom? Jesus Christ. This is talking about Jesus as well. That the kingdom, Jesus, who brings the kingdom, who is the kingdom, that is going to come to us at this place called the Tower of the Flock. In Hebrew, we all know what it is. That is the wonderful Migdal Adair. Awesome. And that place, Migdal Adair, is only mentioned one other time in the Word. You know, sometimes I think, why do we not hear about Migdaladere more? And then I sometimes think, well, maybe if we just hear it once or twice, that's like extra special. Maybe that's why it's only mentioned once or twice. So look at Genesis 35. Genesis 35, verse 19 to 21. And Rachel died and was buried in the way to Ephrath, which is Bethlehem. And Jacob set a pillar upon her grave, that is the pillar of Rachel's grave, unto this day. And Israel journeyed and spread his tent beyond the tower of Eder. That word Eder, spelled E-D-A-R. If you look at the Hebrew, it is Migdal Eder. It's the same word that we see in Micah 4.8. This indicates that Migdal Eder is in, at, on, or near Bethlehem. And indeed, Rachel's tomb, 
You can, you can go and see that today. Allegedly, what is Rachel's tomb? On the edge of the city that is now Bethlehem. Now, you could tie these verses together, or what we call rightly divide the word, rightly divide these scriptures, and that suggests that Jesus, the kingdom, is going to come or be born at Migdaladere, which is near Bethlehem. And I believe that's what the word says. Don't, but don't just take my word for it. There have been very clever men who have come before me. Jewish rabbis who worked on things called the Targum and the Mishnah. Now, the Targum is a commentary of the Old Testament. Prepared by rabbis, 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 rabbits, prepared, prepared by rabbis. And it was generally oral tradition, so it's, the stories were handed down and spoken out, but later some of them were written. And they were like what translations or commentaries of the Old Testament. Now, we have translations, we have commentaries of the whole Bible, but these were written by the rabbis before the birth of Jesus. And the first one was thought to have been written in the time when they were in exile in Babylon. And in the Targum, they've done a translation, and they paraphrased Micah 4, 8 and Genesis 35, 21 together in this way. And you can read this in the Targum. It says, he spread his tents beyond Migdaladere, the place where the King Messiah will reveal himself at the end of days. So the rabbis, before the birth of Jesus, had looked at Genesis and Micah and had written down, you can go and read it, had written down that the King Messiah will be born at Migdaladere. That's what they believed. So before Jesus was born, they'd rightly divided the word for us. This truth has been there for thousands of years. It was written down before he was born. Migdaladere, the watchtower of the flock. And the Mishnah is the first major written collection of other oral traditions. So the Talmud and the Mishnah are quite similar. They're sayings or writings of the rabbis. And part of the Mishnah, and I even found the chapter and verse this time, because you know I like chapter and verse. So in the Mishnah, at Shekalim 7.4, it talks of sacrifices and animals and then being at Migdaladere. And just this week, oh, you know, I tell you not to look up the internet. Well, I looked up the internet and I found the writings of a man called Alfred Edersheim. He lived between 1825 and 1889. He was a, a Jewish man from Vienna in Austria, but he converted to Christianity. And he was converted to Christianity by a pastor of the Free Church of Scotland. And this man came and became a pastor of the Free Church of Scotland, and he preached in Aberdeen, and then he preached and died in Bournemouth. So, there. And he wrote a book called The Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah. Now, if you want this book, I have the PDF. It is 1,600 pages long. And it goes right through the life, the birth and life and death of Jesus Christ. So I went, Alfred Edersheim. So I went to the page that talks about the birth of Jesus. And he wrote 
Now, remember, he's a 19th century Jewish man. And he was talking about Jesus, the Messiah, being born in a stable, has never been part of Jewish thinking. It's never been part of Jewish tradition. This is something that we brought on ourselves. This has never been part of Jewish oral or written tradition. It's, again, it's so sad. The Jewish nation have known this for so long. And then it happens. And they don't get it. However, he wrote this. I'm going to quote from his book. He wrote, Jewish tradition may here prove both illustrative and helpful. That the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem was a settled conviction. Every Jew knew that. Equally so, listen to this, equally so was the belief that he was to be revealed from Migdaladair, the tower of the flock. This Migdaladair was not the watchtower for the ordinary flocks which pastored on the barren sheep ground beyond Bethlehem, but lay close to the town on the road to Jerusalem. A passage, listen to this, a passage in the Mishnah, that is Shetklam 7.4, leads to the conclusion that the flocks which pastured there were destined for temple sacrifices and accordingly that the shepherds who watched over them were not ordinary shepherds. This was written in 1883. The Jews have known about this for thousands of years. I just realized that this week. They, they've known about this for thousands of years. Before the birth of Christ, they knew this was going to happen. They knew he was going to be born in Bethlehem. They knew he was going to be born at Migdaladea. How do we tie the two together? Migdaladea was at Bethlehem. This truth has been out there for a long time. I've not just had this sudden revelation. Well, I have. But it's not new. It's not new. If you go to Bethlehem today, there's a place called the Shepherd's Field. If you tie up the maps for today with the maps in olden days, it had been close to the town of Bethlehem 2,000 years ago on the road to Jerusalem. If you go on the tour, you're told that is where Luke 2.14 happened. The shepherds speaking. I'm not going to say singing. Don't want to upset Sean. Speaking, shepherds declaring about peace, goodwill toward men. Angels, who did I say? Shepherds. It was shepherds that heard it. The shepherds had it declared to them. The angels spoke it out. There are archaeological records there that show in this place, they call the Shepherd's Field to Bethlehem, that there was a stone tower building there. And that stone tower, that round tower, was a building that had been used to keep livestock. And it would have had mangers or stalls. Now, if you look at the Greek word for manger, it's maybe not that manger that we see. It's potentially just a stall where, he, where animals were kept. If we believe the word, if we believe the Targum, if we believe the Mishnah, 
let's just say if we believe in if we believe Alfred Edersheim, that tower there would have been used to keep sheep, but not just any sheep. Sheep that was going to be used to deliver sacrificial lambs for the temple in Jerusalem. And the sheep would have been looked after by the temple shepherds. Much more on that next week. Jerome, another famous theologian, scholar, died in 420, wrote of where the sacrificial lambs were born as being 1,000 paces from the centre of Bethlehem. Not far. I would suggest that that place that Jerome talks of would be in, at, or near Bethlehem. So the words, rabbinic studies, Jewish, Jewish wisdom, not Jewish to tradition, Jewish wisdom says Jesus will be born in Bethlehem. The words, rabbinical studies, Jewish wisdom, talks of Jesus being born at Migdal Adair. Archaeology, theologians, rabbinical studies, Jewish wisdom point to Migdal Adair being at Bethlehem. One and the same. They also point to Migdal Adair being where the temple shepherds looked after the temple flock. Now lots of people, people have said this before, what I'm teaching and preaching. People we've seen now, people have written this. It is down there. I was going to say on paper, but it's on a PDF. <laughs> if you want it. Jesus was not born in a stable by the end. That's not biblical. It's a tradition. It's nonsense. Jesus was born in Migdal Adair, the watchtower of the flock. And if you watch next week, listen next week, or come back next week, you'll see why this is so significant as a picture of his mission and a picture of his death. Amen. Hallelujah.